I'm Caddy Diop. I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! everyone. Hello. We are continuing our awesome comfort January reads and uh, oh I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm so excited. (laughs) Um, It's my pick this week and as such we have read Twilight by one Stephanie Meyer. (laughs) Oh baby. (laughs) Indeed. Finally. Finally. We have to talk about Twilight. I couldn't believe that you and Heifer had not read this book for the podcast no. yet. Oh. No, and we've talked about it basically since the inception of the show that we needed to. Um, like there was an episode way back where Candace guested where she was talking about Twilight and we were like, we need to do Twilight at yes. some point. So thank you for finally causing us to read Twilight You're on the show. welcome. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know why talking about Twilight makes me feel like a horrible person. Um, not because it's a horrible book, because um, to all you naysayers out there, Twilight is hot shit. <laughs> it's a great book, and I love it. And I read it about twice a year. <laughs> Because it's like McDonald's. You just, sometimes you just need that, like, good old salty, cheesy fix. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to get into this. So I, I will confess, I was, um, I believe the term is twihard in high school. I was deeply into Twilight oh. at one point in my life. Um, like, I made fan art. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that's fun. Yeah, but I don't think I've read it in, like, close to a decade. That's awesome. Um, like, until until now. So I'm very excited to talk with you about how why you love Twilight. That's and wonderful. And just get into it. Sweet. Um, for those of you who have not read the book or have not seen the, oh, the movies, um, yeah. Twilight is the story of one Bella Swan, um, teenager extraordinaire, moody teenager extraordinaire who's living in I think it's something like Georgia or Florida with her mother who's dating some baseball player. It's Phoenix. Thank but- you. Arizona. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and then uh, moves to Forks. Forks. What a city. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest to live with her father one Charlie. Oh, Charlie, the grizzled cop in a small town whose wife left him high and dry and who's remained a grizzled, sad old man who likes beer and hanging out with his First Nation friends. And she moves in with her dad, starts at a new school where she meets, you know, a ragtag bunch of nobodies, let's be honest. And, um... Until she has a bio class with oh, her brand new lab partner, one Edward Cullen. 
And I can only whisper his name because I think I feel about Edward Cullen the way people feel about, like, Voldemort. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) I love Tate on this character so much, but I actually am 100% Team Edward. Um, And so uh, Bella falls deep in love with Edward. And, uh, well, I mean, everyone knows this about Twilight. The book just is basically her figuring out that he's a vampire who can read thoughts. And mm-hmm. it's really fun and it's really cheesy. And there's the introduction of her best friend, oh, um, Jacob, the, yeah, the, the, the young, handsome, indigenous man who really wants the white lady, um, but will never, ever have her because spoiler alert he's a werewolf who imprints on her half human half vampire daughter at the time of her birth in book four there i, I spoiled about it that until yeah. this moment oh i had i had erased that from my brain <laughs> That's why they're so connected. It's because Jacob could sense the power of Bella's ovum and know that that would one day produce the love of his life. I don't like this. Oh, but sidebar, I just want to like listen to you narrate the plot of like every cheesy romance novel ever. I just want like a six-hour podcast of this. <laughs> I mean, you know, check us out on Patreon. Maybe we'll release some 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 cheesy <laughs> novel uh, summaries. That would be beautiful. We, we should do that. See. Um, so yeah, so like a ton of other stuff happens in this story, and it's all wonderful. But what what this book truly is about is about first love. It's about that all-encompassing gut-to-the-punch sensation of losing yourself while falling in love with a dangerous person. (laughs) True. Um, And Stephanie Meyer wrote four of these books. Arguably six. We'll talk about it. (laughs) So she released five. Right. And there's a sixth one that we'll have to chat about in a little bit. Um, And I love that you were twi hard. It makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was very deeply into Twilight. Like, like I made myself a T-shirt. I'm uh, I have reached a point in my maturation where I'm only a little ashamed to admit that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that makes sense. I get that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Listen, when I like things, I really like them. Oh yeah, I get it. How old were you when you re- when you first read this? Um, it was high school. Okay. I don't remember specifically what grade, but like between 15 and 17. Oh, that's a perfect age. Yeah. <laughs> like like approximately Bella's age. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I think that is what I mean my friends are folks who enjoy cheese and mm-hmm. uh, that we bonded over the cheese of Twilight 
for years because after that we started going to the movies and then we started going to the movie marathons and then we held our own movie marathons and uh, probably had more than one wine-fueled discussion about Team Edward versus Team Jacob. Um, But yeah, there's something about Stephanie Meyer's writing that just takes you back to that first moment where you understand that love is complex it's it's neither good nor bad it's it's just chaos <laughs> and i find that uh the way that we yeah the way that that bella just falls in love like i think there's like at some point when once she's met edward like mm-hmm. just she's just like i know two things in life <laughs> like i'm gonna die one day and i love this man and it's just <laughs> so good <laughs> yeah it really so, like I said, I haven't read this since I was a teenager and, like, just very unironically into these books. And it is it is such a, like, just transportation back into being a teenager. And back into this, like, I have fallen in love and, like, I will never experience anything like this again. This is the be-all and end-all. There is nothing that is more important than this. Nothing else matters. (laughs) And it's splendid. Right? We've all been through it. I feel like that at least is one common thing to the human experience. I have a feeling that every adolescent in the world, unless they are aromantic has fallen in deep like or love like this once in their life. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if it's with like a person that you actually know or yeah. the image of like the representation of this figment of like popular imagination through celebrity or what mm-hmm. like it's just such a shared experience. Yeah. It's a kind of shared experience that I'm finding more and more when you bring it up, like around a dinner table or whatever. Everyone is eager to share these these love stories because they're mortifying, but they're also very satisfying, right? The older you get, the more you're like, oh, I can't believe it. But in those moments, mm-hmm. the only truths that we know are that, like, our hearts and our loins are completely engrossed in the existence of one or more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's great. It is. And I think it's, it, it's, like, I think part of the, like, pleasure of reading Twilight as an adult and, like, talking about these things is, like, when... I think, like, when when you're experiencing it, you're so engrossed in it. And then, at least for me, then there's a period, like, after you're out of it that you're kind of, like, really embarrassed about and, like, sort of, like, shameful about sort of, like, how, like, that. And uh, and then when you have some distance, you're like, this is just, this is just funny. Um, It's hilarious. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. Everything about this story is hilarious, but like hilariously relatable. As a teen, I 100% wanted to like be saved by some dark and mysterious figure while like I was dying of fear walking home <laughs> late at night. I wanted some person in a powerful sob to like pick 
wake me up and to read the thoughts of like mobs of terrible men walking down the street and possibly compromising my safety or my my you know my <laughs> virtue <laughs> um, and I think that that's you know it captures this this sense this fairy tale mm-hmm. right that we are force-fed and it does not apologize for it right the jealousy also in their story the friend so there's um Jessica and the other one's name is Ooh, Lauren. Thank you, Lauren, who are Bella's uh, big quotation mark fingers friends um, that she meets. And the thing is that Bella arrives in Forks and um, she's she's the new piece of butt on the, <laughs> you know, in high school. So all the boys are interested uh, because this is a very heteronormative book. Oh yeah, there is not there is not a whisper of a queer person no, in this no, book, no. except for the fact that I think like every single queer person who is attracted to women upon reading this book was in love with Alice Cullen. Um, yeah, but other than that, absolutely, like Alice Cullen is honorary gay. Yes, but <laughs> oh yes, Jasper is a girl. Let's be honest. Um, so. So Bella's the new piece of ass on the block and she is exciting. So these, I guess, pop like small town popular girls uh, take her under their wing because it's a nice way for them to also keep the pulse on what's going on uh, in the hearts and pants of the boys around. Um, <laughs> and um, it's very cute because, you know, Edward Cullen and his siblings, they are in a, they're like untouchables, right? They are in, uh, they, they glide into the cafeteria. They don't walk, they glide like total cheap shot. But it's so fun. Their hair is perfect. Their eyes are all hazel because they are vegetarian vampires. And, uh, <laughs> It's so great. Like, the jealousy that these girls feel, they get riled up. And in, like, the span of, like, six pages go from, like, oh, yeah, like, he's totally hot and we totally love him, but, like, we can't speak to him, to, like, what do you mean he loves you? How dare you betray our normalcy and try to ascend to the level of the Cullens? It's so cheesy, but at the same time, I totally get it. Because if there had been an Edward Cullen in my universe, which there is one in everyone's universe, let's be honest. um, And one of my friends had dated him. I would have turned on that person so fast. Oh, absolutely. Out of sheer spite and jealousy. That's That's the other thing that makes these books like the perfect teenage fantasy is the like, the whole, the fantasy of specialness. Like, this is peak, you know, like, Bella in Arizona was just, like, a nobody, and she never really fit in, and she's she's very different from everybody else. Um, and then she goes to this new place, and suddenly that differentness is, like, special. And then she's the most special because she has magic blood that makes Edward <laughs> go crazy, but also he really wants to fuck her. <laughs> let's let's call a spade a spade. It is true. The, the sexual tension in 
this book series is so intense. And I think that it that it's done best in Twilight in the first book. <laughs> this book, it's you just want to be clawing at another human being if you're so inclined. Like, I think there's something awesome about it because it's true. And Edward is like the perfect gentleman who cannot, although he's real creepy at times, um, he cannot help but like totally wanting to ravish her. But because he is a vampire and a monster and sparkly <laughs> and very strong, he is afraid that he would harm her. I mean, we have to wait an entire book for them to make out. It is so silly and great because uh, we can all we can all relate. Yeah, sexual tension in your teens is like I dream. I wish I still felt sexual tension like I did in my teens in my <laughs> mid to late thirties. <laughs> yeah, it's truly all consuming. Um, Everything. Yeah, it is, and it's kind of great. Like uh, yeah. reading it this week was so much fun because I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Like, because Bella is the one who is more sexual than Edward, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. If we're being very sincere, like mm. there is an interesting kind of gender role reversal in their relationship that is developed. And I mean, look, we can't just talk about one book. We're going to talk about all four sort of at the same time. But mm -hmm. but throughout, she's the one who's insistent and really like she's like, I don't like hurt my body. Let's let's go mm -hmm. do it, Cullen. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And he's just like, no, no, I must be a gentleman. I am from the 1910s in a sensible time where everyone was kind no says the black person but whatever uh, but yeah no it's 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 so cheesy and tense and sexy and dangerous and all of Edward's siblings are also dangerous because they're also all vampires who don't age and are in these really weird relationships where, you know, their dad basically, well, their dad, <laughs> their maker, um, is... He basically, like, allows for them to live as couples for hundreds of years under his household. And so, like, for regular or non-magical teens, it's very particular because they're just like, why is it that this man has adopted his children's partners and lets them, you know, be like marrieds in their teens? <laughs> I just like I constantly think about how like like this community is not remarking upon how bizarre this is nearly enough. Um and I mean this this is the power of being white and wealthy. Um uh, <laughs> and let's be honest, whiteness is at the center of Twilight. Oh boy. Oh, it's so important. Skin, the impact of skin in Twilight is so important. So vampires sparkle, mm -hmm. right? And um, ooh, 
Are the, yes, there are black vampires, but they mm-hmm. must sparkle differently <laughs> um, because we don't get to see them sparkle in the movies because they always arrive in moments where it's gray and gloomy. Mm-hmm. Take from that what you will. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bella is also supposed to be, well, already her name is Isabella, but she's called Bella, which, uh, you know, means beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. We get it. Um, and like her scent is so powerful and it drives Edward crazy. And, you know, she's she's constantly seen as this like warm meat bag for him, kind of. But also like this, just this, this very fragile and dainty uh, alabaster doll. <laughs> also, this just occurred to me as you were saying it. The whole like her scent drives him crazy thing is just like such a euphemism and it is just like so oh incredible (laughs) oh the scent thing is intense yeah I mean pheromones are great but they are on another level yeah (laughs) I can't help but giggle while talking about Twilight it truly is my guilty pleasure like if I have a cold and I'm Mm -hmm. taking a personal um, day Generally, that day will involve copious amounts of tea and soup Mm -hmm. and every Twilight movie. (laughs) Amazing. I love this for you. Yes, I think it's great. (laughs) This is, yeah, I have not watched the Twilight movies in a really long time. And my roommate and I are planning on watching and mocking the first one together at some point soon, potentially tonight. So I'm, I'm very jazzed, yeah. Perfect films to like you know, to, to scream at the television while watching yeah. them. It's perfect. Um, to get back to it, just to Twilight yes. and Whiteness, there's also, oh, yes. you know, it's important because we have to talk about the werewolves. Yes, that's a whole, a whole thing. That's a whole thing. So um, this happens in the second book, mm-hmm. which is New Moon. Yes. Yes. And... Um, <laughs> in New Moon, uh, basically, like, more and more vampires start arriving into um, forks. And I'd love saying forks. It, it just, it makes me giggle. I'm sorry. Forks. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the, the, the oh, I think they're called, like, quilutes or, like. It's something. I, it's yeah. with a Q. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, but you came that makes sense with how it's written. I'll take it. Um, and they are indigenous to the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and they are protectors of the area, basically, mm-hmm. against the cold ones, the vampires. And the way that they defend their land and their people is by turning into wolves who can um, decapitate vampires, which is awesome. Sure can. Uh, yep. So, um, you know, we have this, like, creation of this 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 rift mm-hmm. right of the elegant cold white sparkly vampires <laughs> and on the other side the indigenous poor um very hot-blooded um mm-hmm. sometimes unpredictable and dangerous wild werewolves what yeah. I mean, even just like if you like the visuals is yes. like the vampires are depicted as being like they're it's basically like 
the aesthetic perfection of whiteness and like the aesthetic perfection of humanity, but also whiteness. And then the indigenous people are literal animals. That's a, that's some fun optics. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, That's, that's, that's a thing. Um, It's a thing, but you know what? We've had problematic faves. Oh, yeah. And um, this is a problematic fave. And you know what? I don't care. Yeah, I I fully support your love of Twilight. Thank you. Um, it's not even secret love. Like, I think I gush about Twilight to anyone who's like, have you seen those horrible Twilight movies? And I'm like, I love them so much. I must tell you everything I think about them. I have an analysis grid that I've created. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's brilliant. It has like, because for so long I had so much shame about my like Twilight, my intense Twilight phase. I was like, I remember, okay, this is a little bit bananas. Literally like when I started getting into feminism and like, getting into feminism on social media someone who I'd like known in high school messaged me and it was like how do you reconcile your feminism with your love of twilight (laughs) and I was like this is aggressive (laughs) but then I had so much shame so you have you you truly have inspired me to like get back into this world that I loved as a teenager yes we're doing critical reading like I mean I read it and I threw it across the room a couple of times but I was also like hey oh there is a little teeny tiny bit of queer content um when Bella and Edward so uh Bella goes dress shopping with her fake friends uh in a tiny little village somewhere close to Seattle yes and um Edward saves her from this horde of terrible mm-hmm. men who are thinking vile thoughts about her. And then he takes her to a restaurant. And in that restaurant, Edward uh, can read everyone's mind, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> you get this delicious moment in the book where he's reading the minds and of everyone and realizing that, like, everyone in the restaurant basically wants to bang him. Yes. Oh, is it? This is in new. This is in Midnight Sun, I think. Or is it in the movie? I think it's a Midnight Sun. Yes. Mm. I kept having flashes of that. in, But yes, I do. Because I remember that. And then it wasn't in Twilight. And I was like, I remember there being this really fun narration of everything everyone was thinking. Yes. Yes. In Midnight Sun. And also in the movie. In the movie. But he doesn't mm-hmm. mention uh, realizing that um, the men in the space are also attracted to him. Um, okay. But yeah. So I think that's the only bit of. Of, of queerness that we get. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm overwhelmed with Twihard energy. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I have lost track of what I was talking about. Um... I mean, we had, we had, we had been talking about Twilight and whiteness. Mm. I feel like we wrapped it up. Yeah, we wrapped that up. I mean, you know, yeah. that's okay. Problematic faves. Problematic fave. There's also a little problematic element about, um, you know, the the family relationship (laughs) in this story. Um, So Bella is moving in with her dad, but Mm -hmm. like... there, It's a very complicated relationship. Mm -hmm. And her dad is... I mean, I love Charlie. Charlie's a cool character. He's a no-nonsense, but... He's no nonsense kind of guy, but like definitely a Trump voter. Um, <laughs> uh, but a lovable conservative, 
which is something that I don't say ever, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But I don't hate Charlie, so he's all right by me. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, her relationship with her dad is very tense. And there's like all these like secrets, right? Like mm-hmm. she seems to have this very strong relationship with her mother. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is constantly on the phone with her mom and all that. But because her mom is always traveling for her, mm-hmm. her, her new husband's baseball career in the minor leagues. You know, it's just not feasible for Bella to stay with them. And it's, I don't know, like, it makes me feel like Charlie is like an, not an, he's not an afterthought because he's a well-fleshed out character, but it's mm-hmm. more that he's like, he's an afterthought for Bella. You know, she's just, she's living this very egotistical life and not realizing the impact that she has on her dad, who is actually trying to connect with her constantly. Mm-hmm. That really is his entire MO throughout throughout the entire book series, let's be honest, is just he wants to be close to his daughter. He wants to be her dad. He wants to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, yeah... Okay, and she warms up to him, but it still remains like, I mean, it's hard to dissociate Bella in the book from Kristen Stewart's <laughs> character, but um, it's very cold. Mm-hmm. It's very cold, and she cares about her dad, and it develops a bit, but but it's also used as a tool for manipulating him and, mm-hmm. and like, saving his life and what mm-hmm. have you. And the only sort of, uh, the only way that this gets wrapped up is when Charlie eventually falls in love with one of his friends. <laughs> Towards the end of the book series, Sue Rotter. Um, yeah, I'm that intense. <laughs> no, I. It's great. So yeah, so there's there's, I think that that might be like the one thing that that makes me a bit disappointed. Like I think I would have mm-hmm. liked for her to have a better, a better, stronger relationship with her dad because it really mm-hmm. feels like the adults are inconsequential. Um, you know, he's a cop. He's investigating, like, you know, vampires who have been in the area and killing people, though he thinks it's, like, a weird animal um, mm-hmm. and all that. And, like, no one can figure anything out except for the vampires. And no one can figure anything out except for Bella. And no one can figure anything out except for the werewolves. And you're just kind of like, okay, but can the rest of us get a break? Like, no one here is that special. So, like, as a reader... Just take care of me a little bit. Give me something good. Give me some fluff. Some more fluff. fluff. Yeah. No, I think you hit on one of the things that really, like, bothers me about these books, which is, like, just Bella has just, I think, an extreme contempt for everybody who's not vampires and sometimes Jacob. Like, just, like, her attitude towards all of the other kids at school is, like, peasants. (laughs) Yes, plebes. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, but it is it is, like it would have been really nice to have more of a like parent relationship with either of her parents. Yeah, especially because there's I mean, Charlie is a character who who often wants to dole out advice and like mm-hmm. I'm granted I'm sure it would be very like oh, uh, <laughs> it would be very paternalistic advice. Um but uh you know, he has this desire and I really love I love, like, male characters who who can explore their nurturing side. Mm -hmm. Because I think that it's something we don't get to see often enough. So Mm -hmm. there you go. There's my only... (laughs) 
<laughs> my only wish. <laughs> now, if only Stephanie Meyer would just rewrite it and decomplexify the relationship that Bella has with her father for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, shall we talk about the 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 other two books? Yeah, I was going to say, is this a good segue to talk about Stephanie Meyer rewriting Twilight? <laughs> I'm in for it. So, listeners, I discovered yesterday... That Stephanie Meyer wrote an entire... So I, I I discovered this because I was like, did I, like, imagine Midnight Sun? Wasn't there, like, another book that was from Edward's perspective? So I, like, Googled it. And yes, so Stephanie Meyer had started writing, rewriting the entire book, but from Edward's perspective. And then it got leaked on the internet. And then so she posted the draft on her website, but was like, but put the project on indefinite hiatus. So if you were a twihard like I was, you read the unfinished draft on her website um, and, you know, absorbed it and internalized it into your heart. And uh, probably wrote fan fiction about it, let's be honest. Oh, yes. <laughs> have I written Twilight fan fiction? Yes, I have. Um, uh, maybe po- Patreon bonus. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> so the book series is Twilight, New Moon, mm-hmm. Eclipse, and Breaking Dawn. Yes. And then there's, so that's the, 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 the sequential order for mm-hmm. reading Twilight. Then there's Midnight Sun, mm-hmm. which is half of Twilight told from the perspective of Edward Cullen. Yes. And then there is... And then there is another book that I discovered the existence of yesterday. And I'm just... I am still... I am not recovered from... We are shook. <laughs> so apparently, shook. Stephanie Meyer basically rewrote Twilight with it seems like basically exactly the same plot except for like the ending is basically like an accelerated summary of like the last three books. Um... But gender swapped. <laughs> so uh, this is a book about Beau Swan and Edith Cullen. Oh, <laughs> sweet lord! <laughs> and this this is an actual book that was actually published. Uh, <laughs> I need it. <laughs> and it is. Wait for it. I'm going to. Uh, what was it called? It's. It's called like. Twilight Life and Death Reimagined or something. Um, and I was I was briefly extremely excited about this when I read Twilight Gender Swapped because I was like, is it a queer Twilight? But of course, no, it's, course it's still heterosexual. Don't worry. So it is called Life and Death Twilight Reimagined. I just got goosebumps. Uh, the the cover art is a is a single hand holding a green apple. Um, if you if you read the the Wikipedia summary, it is essentially the exact same plot as Twilight, except for they get married at the end, and like like Bo gets turned into a vampire at the end, and they get married. Mm. So it's like a it basically just like skips out the other all the other books, um, and I don't think they're the werewolves are involved. Um, because Bo Cullen can probably, uh, Bo Swan rather, yes. can probably protect himself because he's a man. Oh. He does not need 
werewolves or like were ladies or like what would be a mystical creature a, a feminine mystical creature yeah. fairies hmm. that could be fun i mean yeah. a badass fairy could be interesting that could yeah there are female werewolves in new moon there are but or one yes but <laughs> only one of course yes and she is a hard to love lady oh yes let's be honest um for leah Clearwater, she she got the short end of the stick in this in this in this story. Like, I mean, she's mm-hmm. a woman who was in love with another man from her community, who is their pack leader, and he imprinted on someone else. So she was left there, brokenhearted, as his heart just fully encompassed this other woman, and Leah was left to suffer. Her only consolation is that Sam once scratched his loved one in the face, leaving her mauled across one eye. Isn't the isn't the like girl that he leaves her for like her sister or something or her cousin? Uh, is it isn't isn't it? I don't remember okay. to be honest. Yeah, I haven't reread new, I, I I have not reread any of them but Twilight in like ten years. <laughs> uh. But we will report back on this at some oh, point. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I am just I continue to be flabbergasted by Yeah, I mean you gotta just love her confidence though of like I'm gonna write like she basically wrote a book with the exact same plot three times. And, like, not even trying to pretend that it was a different plot. And, like, you know, there's something that I have to respect about that. She's very brazen, that's for sure. (laughs) For sure. Um, I thought it would be nice to also chit-chat a little bit about um, things that have spun off from Twilight. Um, Namely, my favorite um, beach book, Fifty Shades of Grey. So I have never read Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh. Um, <laughs> should I? Absolutely. <laughs> Come on. I mean, okay. So Fifty Shades of Grey is basically Twilight, but no mystical creatures. And um, <laughs> um, uh, Mr. Grey, Christian Grey, uh, and Anastasia Steele. Um, they meet and they basically bang for three books. Um, (laughs) But it's supposed to be like kink centric and it's very funny um, because obviously like she's very virginal and it's like it's the vulgar version of of Twilight. Like she's virginal. She's never like she's never masturbated. She's never nothing. And then this like man in a suit shows up and she falls for him and he spanks her and she has orgasms and like it's very funny. He just looks at her and she's basically like and he touched me and I exploded and he looked at me and I exploded and it's very funny it is perfect to read on the beach if 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 you or like by a body of water it is one of those things that everyone will make fun of you for reading but you will know that you have been treated to such a glorious piece of fromage like it's just such cheese and you're not reading it for the quality of the writing you're mm-hmm. reading it like i mean you're reading it to get to the parts where they're where, where he like chains her up and does things to her let's be honest um but it's 
Yeah, it's fun. It's just fun. It's it's we've got to remove this like pretentious thing of like it must be written by someone whose name I cannot pronounce and it must be a collection of essays um you know where we analyze and reanalyze and meta-analyze um everything and it, no sometimes you just need to put your brain on off mm-hmm. and read Something that takes you to a very funny fantasy land, especially if you're queer. (laughs) And, um, you know, like, it's also a really interesting study in straight culture. True. Oh, yes. This is, yeah, straight culture is very interesting. Um, Well, I love, I feel like we often come around to this on this podcast of this idea of, like, de- Taking the guilt out of guilty pleasures, which I really like. And we were, if I may bring in a part of a conversation we were having pre-recording about, um, like, sort of, like, caring for oneself being an act of activism and, like, rest being an act of activism. And, uh, dare I say, reading Twilight. (laughs) Yes. And if you want to stick it to the man even more, go buy it used. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> because it's in every used bookstore. Oh, yes. I'm I think that my teenage copies are in a used bookstore and I'm I'm a little bit sad that I don't own them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now I'd like to talk about fan fiction because as a person yes. who went twi hard and who wrote mm-hmm. fan fiction, um I would like to know more about sort of the extended realm of Twilight um as created by the fans. Um, are there any notable storylines or rewritings of Twilight that have stuck with you? Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to, like, remember back to... Um, back to the, the fan fiction. So I think... I'm fairly sure that the two... So the two main flavors of Twilight fan fiction that I was into... Um, and I don't know if this respect, like represented the, the whole breadth or, or the two most popular things. But, I mean, so we just have to acknowledge that a main chunk of Twilight fan fiction was people writing the sex scenes that weren't in the books. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yay. there was there was fan uproar about the fact that, like, the sex scenes in, in Breaking Dawn were basically non-existent. They were all like the curtain closes and then the next day. And people were real mad about that and wrote a lot of fan fiction about it. <laughs> Guess what I'll be doing tonight? <laughs> oh yeah, there's lots. Um and then I think the other genre that I read a lot of um was like AUs. So if you're not a fan fiction person, um AU stands for alternate universe. And so this is a genre of fan fiction, basically, where you take the principal characters of a story and often the kind of, like, the main threads of the plot, um, but put it into another setting or another, um, uh, like, genre or whatever. So, okay, do you, do you want to hear the basic summary of the Twilight fan fiction that I wrote as a teenager? Yes, I do. <laughs> Edward was a ghost. <laughs> oh, that's some M. Night Shyamalan action there. <laughs> that's like basically all I remember about it. But Edward was a ghost. Oh, so Bella fell in love with a ghost. Yeah. 
who did not exist. I mean, like he was he was like a he was a manifested ghost. Okay. So he um, still stared at her while she slept. Oh, <laughs> I think so. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Problematic, but yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I I remember very little of this story, but I do remember that uh, that it involved Edward being a ghost. Oh my god, I need to read this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that is that is a thing that exists somewhere in the ether. That's amazing. <laughs> I am going to be doing a deep Google uh, on the topic, and um, we'll let you know if I find anything that tickles my fancy. I think that if I were to write fanfic yes. about Twilight, <laughs> most of it would be, uh, most of it would probably be about Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Just this dad who's like trying to connect to his kid. He really loves her. He misses his ex-wife. <laughs> like that would be one branch. Um, Amazing. There would probably be a lot of. Um, <laughs> I'm very embarrassed to say this, um, but uh, dear tens of listeners, um, I am thinking that I would probably write some erotic fanfic. <laughs> about um edward and jacob oh because <laughs> there is i mean you know they are two halves of one coin they are the light and the dark the good and the vampire um <laughs> etc mm-hmm. and i think that because they spend most of the book series uh, fighting over Bella mm-hmm. and just basically trying to claim her as their own, which mm-hmm. is really not a great thing. But we let it slide because we love Twilight. Mm-hmm. And, um, yep, they would probably fight over her physically. And mm-hmm. it would probably turn into, like, some, like, MMA situation, <laughs> like, probably with some booty shorts. And- <laughs> And um, <laughs> perhaps whoever was victorious, uh, Bella would like swoop in and peg forever. I feel oh. like I feel I feel a writing project coming on. Yes, please. <laughs> um, maybe we'll make up a new Patreon bracket for um, Caddies and my fan fiction. Oh my god! I'm sure I still have a copy <laughs> of my Twilight fan fiction somewhere. Oh, that would be so cheesy and fun. I'm sure it exists. Let's be honest. Yeah. I'm sure it still exists on fanfiction.net. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure it exists. I'm going uh, to I'm going to yeah. find it and post it everywhere. <laughs> I occasionally get notifications for for fanfiction that I wrote like 4 or 5 years ago and it's like very deeply weird. I love that. The thing about fan fiction is, as someone who mm-hmm. is uh, who does not fancy herself a writer, mm-hmm. um, even though I've always had the dream and the fantasy of yeah. it, I, it's not it's not who I am. Um, it's just the amount of work <laughs> that you have to put into your fan fiction, and the fact that the fan fiction community seems to be really intense okay. about things not sticking up. And like, mm-hmm. this does not work because if we go back into the canon of blibbity blubbity blue, and I'm like, I can't subject myself to that kind of criticism. I am a very delicate flower. Um, so I think that would be my only reticence um, to. <laughs> writing fanfic that's entirely fair thank you um whereas i am the kind of the 
anything that I write fan fiction about is the kind of thing that I have like watched enough watched or read enough times that I have just like like I have a encyclopedic knowledge of this thing and I'm like yes everything will be perfect and uh, I also never finished fan fiction <laughs> like I I I was a chronic like we get really into something would write about half a fan fiction like like half of a long multi-chapter fan fiction and then just like peter out yeah i get that <laughs> that makes sense like constantly eh. um okay i have one i have one concern with twilight that i have to raise seeing as we've been talking about sex in twilight yes i i can't get over like how not fun i think it would be to have sex with somebody with no body heat like it would be so weird oh yeah yeah and his body is just described as like marble hard like it's just like hard as rocks that would be uncomfortable like i don't think i would like it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean i think this is also probably a bit of a personal preference thing but i I will just announce on air, I do not want to bone Edward Cullen. Oh, <laughs> God. I don't, I, I do not, uh, I do not judge those who do. Good. Uh, um, <laughs> good. No, we can't. Oh, oh Edward. Um, <laughs> I read this book uh, in, yeah, it was in my early 20s when I read it. And it was... Uh, sexually affirming I was like oh yes because there is something very queer about Edward as well like I mean he's 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 not the traditional masculine like hegemonically Mm -hmm. masculine character and this and that and he's not no he's not that much of a jerk and he's very sensitive Mm -hmm. very self-critical he's like yeah he's like that I also you know had a history of 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 dating like a tall lanky woke white men um and edward cullen kind of fits that description uh fair yeah so uh nope reading this book i had a few conversations with my best friend actually about how it might be inappropriate to be thirsty for this character because i was like not so legal uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, then you remember that um, he died in 1912. Yeah, he's 17, but he's also like 104 or something. So I know it's complex. I know um, it really is. Also, just for the record, so that I'm not misrepresenting <laughs> myself, there was a time when I very much wanted to bone Edward Cullen. Oh, okay. I'm just saying not anymore. Okay, so you grew from out. this perspective. I do not want to bone Edward Cullen. Totally. When, when get I. It. But there was definitely a time. Well, actually, okay, so there was a time when I thought I wanted to bone Edward Cullen and probably actually wanted to bone Bella because this was still when I was not aware that I was deeply, deeply gay. Um, but, like, I was aware of the attractiveness of Edward, at the very least. And Absolutely. I mean, truly just wanted to bone Alice Cullen. But Well, that was going to be my next question is, like, yeah. how do you feel about other characters and Alice Cullen I mean mm-hmm. let's 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 do a little a little thing about Alice because mm-hmm. Alice is 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 Edward's adopted or murdered sister I don't know how to call her I think it's all good um Alice is also gifted she is special mm-hmm. she is the most special because Alice has the gift of foresight mm-hmm. and um 
teamed up with Edward, who can read minds, it basically means that they are like a duo who can't play chess together because uh, I think there's a, there's a scene like that oh, in one yeah, of the books. There is. Where they want to play chess together and they basically just stare at one another <laughs> until one of them goes, fine, you win. And <laughs> it's like the, yeah, the, yeah. And it's so funny because she's like this, she's a manic pixie girl. Mm-hmm. She is. She truly much. is. She is eccentric. She mm-hmm. loves fashion. She is very good at letting people know that like everything will be fine because mm-hmm. she can see in the future. She takes an immediate shining to Bella, and though mm-hmm. you know Bella is kind of a, she's, I don't want to use like she's she's not the happiest. Oh, she's angsty as hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And um, and Alice, you know, like, is this little ray of sunshine who 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 mm-hmm. takes Bella's head. Oh, that would also make great fan fiction, Alice and Bella. I'm pretty sure I read some of that. I'm sure it exists. Yes, that um. could be fun. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Alice is like, yeah, and Alice da- is, is enamored with this Confederate soldier named Jasper. <laughs> Oh, yes. Who can influence people's moods with his thoughts. Right. Yes. I was trying to remember what the what the superpowers of all the other ones were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do Emmett and Rosalie have superpowers? Emmett is just very, very strong. Yes. And Rosalie is very, very annoying. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, so, so that's, uh, that's, that's Alice. I can see how Alice would be a queer icon. Oh, yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, it's a, it's apparently, like, a thing on, like, of, like, people who didn't realize they were queer when they were Twilight fans. They're like, yes. oh, yeah, I had such a big crush on Alice Cullen. I wasn't aware that it was a phenomenon until I was reading a poem that a friend of mine had written about, like, it was, it was basically a poem about all the, like, queer stereotypes. Like, not being able to sit in chairs and et cetera, et cetera. And it, one of the lines was, like, having a crush on Alice Cullen. And I was like, oh, yeah, and me. <laughs> is, this a, is this a wider phenomenon? Apparently. I love this. Yeah. I love this. Um, I um, Alice did not tickle my fancy. Fair. Um, I, I think she's too happy for me. And mm. uh, I relate maybe a bit too much to Bella uh, and her <laughs> angstiness. Um, but also, I have to be honest, her portrayal in the films also ruined it for me. Yeah, she was not. I remember being really disappointed with the Alice in the films because I had like a very specific picture in my mind because I was in love with her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, oh, so wow. do we need to spend a quick moment talking about these movies? <laughs> Absolutely. Twilight movies are like a warm blanket mm-hmm. for the heart because they're so bad. They're so, so bad. So I am 95% sure that I haven't seen all of them. So I'm actually very excited to get to experience the last ones for the first time. Yeah. Um, the last ones are the last ones are the better ones. Okay. Uh, I think that when the... The the Twilight film uh, came out starring uh, our good friend Arpats and Case Do um, and the other guy 
whose name I forget, but, oh, Taylor Lautner, whose right. career has not gone very far no. because he is not a very good actor. Um, <laughs> but he's so pretty. He is pretty, but, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in which he does CPR on someone, I think, and it just, like... Oh, it hurt my heart. Um, oh, no, I'm thinking about The Hunger Games. I'm really sorry. That is oh. a brain fart on my part. Um, I am confused. Is he in The Hunger Games? No. no. We're thinking of somebody else. Okay. I'm thinking of someone else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting all the bad things in one basket. <laughs> but, like, Reasonable. bad good. Bad yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so... so yeah, there's not much great in those movies. Uh, Kristen Stewart blinks a lot. Yes. I think I remember watching the the going to see the premiere of this film. Oh boy, um, and just being angry at how much she was blinking because it's contagious. <laughs> so the star of the first movie is simultaneously the music mm. and Anna Kendrick. <laughs> Yes, I forgot about Anna Kendrick. That was like her first like role of any size. And she's amazing in it. Yeah. Also, it's very funny that the meathead from Can't Hardly Wait plays um, <laughs> Edward's dad, um, oh. Peter Facinelli. That, that made me laugh. And it also made me feel old at the same time because I saw Can't Hardly Wait in theaters and... <laughs> In my mind, it hadn't been that long. Uh, <laughs> they have a really good, like, I find that they have a really good, like, side cast. And as the movies yeah. go along, they have, like, great actors in there. Mm-hmm. But the movies don't get better. <laughs> so, um, but it doesn't matter. I like to think that uh, people got a nice payday. There's nice yeah. cars in the films. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, they are not to be watched critically. They are to oh. be simply enjoyed for what they are. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Like, I'm pretty sure the actors are also like, mm, let's not talk about my Twilight days. Oh, yeah. I think one of my like one of the things that's so interesting is both that like neither Robert Pattinson or K- Kristen Stewart are bad actors. But they are, like, not good in these movies. They are not. Um, And also, like, nobody hates the Twilight movies more than Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. That is a good point. Uh, Who dated? Really? Yes. They were in a whole relationship until she came out as gay. Speaking of, okay, complete tangent, but I feel like you'll be very excited about this. Um, I recently learned that they are making a Christmas rom-com starring Kristen Stewart and somebody else good, and I forget whom. Is it someone who is female? Yes. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. No, it's like a gay, a gay, a gay Christmas rom-com. Um, okay. That speaks to me. I'm pretty sure it's Kristen Stewart. Yeah. I think a Kristen Stewart, like a an angsty Kristen Stewart Christmas movie is something that I would watch. And I mean, look, whatever you think about Kristen Stewart, she can get it. She she's hot. She's oh she's, yeah. Ooh. Oh yes. And she's really good. Like uh, I saw her in Sills of Saint Maria with Juliette Binoche. Okay. And it's very good. Like very very good. Um, but yeah. So the movies are trash. Um, yeah. let's just acknowledge it. Um, but it doesn't matter because they feel good for the soul. Mm-hmm. indulge in them like don't don't even worry about what other people will think if you enjoy these movies worst case just uh hit me up and i'll uh, back you up 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, they're very they're they're an important piece of the culture. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh and very fun. Absolutely. I'm, I'm real excited to enjoy a rewatch for the first time in a very long time. Yay. Um yeah. I can't wait. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If uh, you want to leave us feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, please say hi. Uh, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually at thebalesosaurus and at caddy double underscore D. Yeah. Um, if you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shoutout to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stutchbury, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We have merch. What? Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. And by sharing this episode with a friend, I, I would say, share this with someone who keeps shitting on Twilight. Yes. Let them come into the fold gently. <laughs> or rather abruptly, let's be honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefera Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a Pokemon watch-through podcast brought to you by the Upford Network. We've taken on the monumental task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing in-depth analysis of everybody's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're asking the hard-hitting questions. Who's the real hero of this series? Why do some of these episodes get banned? Is Ash's treatment of his Pokemon abusive or just negligent? Is Charizard completely justified in treating Ash like the worst trainer of all time? Why don't more Pokemon have nipples? Which Pokemon would make the best professional wrestler? Is Farfetch'd your best option for Christmas dinner? Who even is that Pokemon? Are all cops bastards? Wait, I thought this was a Pokemon podcast. Uh... Anyway, tune into Blasting Off Again on the Upward Network and wherever you find your podcasts. We're We're blasting off off again. again! Ding! Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.